you'd like to open your Bible to Romans chapter 8 and Galatians 3. We'll be in a lot of places, but Romans 8 will be the first place that we start. Amen. You all good? I'm glad to see all of you here. We pray that God does something special for you in the rest of this time. I love where where the Lord took that time and, and Shagoon went with him in that process of letting the Lord heal and take care of uh, past things and even some present things. And I feel like the Lord today wants to deal with identity. Identity. And um, I don't want to talk to you today as a psychologist because I'm not one. A psychiatrist, I'm not one of those either. Um, I'm not even a, a novice one of those, but I, I, I want to talk to you from the Word of God and about identity. How many of you have ever heard the term identity crisis? How many of you have ever had one of those? <laughs> um, I would say probably our, our, our country, our world is in an identity crisis right now. They don't know who they are because they don't know who they belong to. And the Bible says that in the last days, he would send the prophet Elijah. He would send the spirit of the prophet Elijah across the earth, and he would turn the hearts of fathers. Everyone say fathers. Come on, yeah. He would turn fathers to the, their hearts of the fathers toward their children, and he would turn the hearts of the children toward the fathers. And God's going to do that. That does not exclude women in this process. Amen? But there is, a, there is a prophetic thing that's saying God is going to return people to their original identity and into a family. We need spiritual fathers and mothers now more than we've ever needed them before. We need people to rise up regardless of age, regard, regardless of whether you've had children or not had children, and become spiritual fathers and mothers. Because there are people, there are even people older than you that need you to be a spiritual mother to them. Like, well, they're, they're like 20 years older than me. How does that work? I don't know how it works. I just know in the kingdom, God raised us up to be sons and daughters who become fathers and mothers who raise up sons and daughters. And it's this family. He puts us all in a family. The Bible says he takes the lonely and puts them into a family. We don't need to bring people into a church and train them in theology, although that's very good. There's a place that will, never, that will never go away. We teach theology. We believe the Bible. We teach the Bible. But we don't need to take people out of darkness and bring them into the church and conform them to a way of serving Christ. We need to bring them and put them into the family of God. And when they become sons and daughters, when they realize I, I once was lost or I once had no family, but God brought me in and he adopted me and he brought me into his family, all of the stuff that we teach in church will fall into place through the relationship. And then everything we teach and everything we preach will be confirmations to what they're learning in their relationship with God their Father. Everything we learn will be a, 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 a discipline to correct us and to bring us tighter and closer into our relationship with the Father. We have an identity crisis right now because we know more about the Bible. We know more about Christianity. We know more about the way we're supposed to serve God than we actually know him as our Father. And God is our Father. And he's a good Father. And I use this example all the time, but for thousands of years, when people prayed to God, to Jehovah, before Jesus came, they had to go through a system. They had to go through the priesthood. 
They did not even, they feared God so much they wouldn't even write his name on paper. They would just write uh, YHWH or Jehovah. They would leave out the vowels because he was too fearful. And they didn't know him as a close father. They knew him as a God. And he's still that God. He didn't like throw off his old identity and he's still that God. But then in the New Testament, when Jesus came, he told them, he goes, when you pray, pray like this. Say it. Our father. Say it again. Our father broke all of thousands of years of systematic religion in two words. Two words. Two words broke down the whole system because he literally was giving them permission to say, he's my father too. Like we know you're Jesus and we know that you came from the father. We know you're his son, but we also now know that we are also his sons and daughters because you gave us permission. And then through the life of Jesus, paying the penalty for our sins, and through him being dead, uh, being dead and being raised from the dead and being risen and resurrected, he brought us into the family and gave us the spirit of adoption through that process. Amen? When I talk about the word identity, it's, I just use this simple definition. There's, there's all kinds of definitions out there. Beware of all the definitions in the dictionary now. They're all changing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, CDC, I'm not even doing it. Sorry. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Anyway, they, they're changing definitions. Things, words don't even mean what they used to mean all over the place. Sex and gender and all the things. They're just changing definitions. And so here's our definition of identity today. The definition of identity is who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's the way you think about who you are. Come on. <laughs> and it's the way you are viewed by other people. Because sometimes I don't even know me as well as someone else that's looking at me knows me. That's why people are like, hey, do you know you're being a jerk right now? No, I thought I was being really nice. All right? So it's, it's who you are, the way you think about who you are, yourself, the way other people view you, and then the characteristics that define your life. That's identity. That's it. And as I was saying, when Jesus came, he did this in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. I'm going to read these two verses, Romans 8, 15, 16, and 17. Three verses, sorry. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Everyone say amen to that. Like when we received Jesus as our savior and we, we were bought by his blood and brought into the family, he didn't reinstitute a new system of fear, which is religion. He instituted a whole different system. We received the spirit of adoption. Everyone say adoption. Whew. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Everyone say Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Daddy, Father. It's, a, it's an intimate term for dad. It's not a distant, cold. It's an intimate term for dad. And he says, in the spirit, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. What's identity? It's who, who I think I am. And it's how I think about myself. And it's what other people think about me. And it's the characteristics that define my life. So if I know that I'm a son of God, 
then the Bible says that his Holy Spirit also testifies with my spirit that I am a son of God, then I'm beginning to see my identity here. The Spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. It's true. And if we're children, then what are we? We're heirs. Come on. We're heirs of God, which means we have access to everything that is his. All of it. We have access to it. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. And everyone say amen to that. I'm going to quickly read some more scripture verses and I'm going to talk for a moment. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are sons and daughters through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians three, uh, 4 verse 3 says, Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage excuse me, under the elements of this world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Amen? And because we are sons and daughters, God has put his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Daddy, Father, Abba, Father. Therefore, we are no longer slaves or servants, but we're sons and daughters. And we're heirs. So there's a different mentality between a servant and a son, or a servant and a daughter. A servant does it out of fear, a son does it out of love. A servant does it out of fear, but a son does it out of relationship. First John 3, one through three says, beloved, or behold, what manner of love has the Father lavished on us that we should be called what? Children of God, everyone say children of God. And he says, and that is what we are. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we will be. But we know this, that we will be like him. Come on, we will look just like him. For we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us into adoption, everyone say adoption, as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to his good pleasure. He wants us to know who we are. He wants us to think about ourselves according to who we are. He wants the world to begin to see us as we really are. And he wants us to be defined by the characteristics of our identity. Amen? Now let's talk about this for a moment. I'm a husband, but I'm not the husband. My wife has a better husband than me. Jesus. I'm her husband, but she has a better husband. And I'm not offended by that. I am a father, but I am not the father. I am a protector, but I'm not the protector. I'm a provider, but I'm not the provider. I'm a friend, but I'm not the friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm a pastor but I'm not the shepherd. I have a job to do, right? All of us, we have a job to do, right? 
but it is not the purpose for which I was born. How many love your job? Raise your hand. As much as I love my job, God didn't cause me to be born so that I could do this job. Even though I love my job and I find pleasure in doing my job well and all those things there, I receive love, appreciation, worth, even validation by showing up and being the best husband, father, protector, provider, friend, pastor, worker as I can be. I get worth from those things, right? But I cannot receive my identity from those things or my eternal worth from those things. (laughs) any time that I begin to receive my identity or my love or my validation or my worth in a disproportionate measure from all of those things, then I have created idols in my life. Any time I allow all the roles that I feel in life They're important roles. I should do them really well. I should do my best. But anytime I allow my worth to be tied up in any of those roles, then I will allow myself to be led by passions and desires that aren't from God. It will cause me to be unstable in all of my ways. Because what I'm actually doing is I'm seeking identity and validation from titles and not from being a son or daughter. I am always, first and foremost, a son of God, first and foremost. Before I'm a father, before I'm a husband, before I'm anything else, I am a son. If I stop acting like a son, I'm going to be a really bad husband. I'm going to be a really bad father because I'm going to try all I can, but I have no source in me. Remember John 8, 44, that Satan was the father of lies because everything he speaks comes from his own resources. I can't be a good husband, father, worker, pastor, shepherd, none of these, I can't be any of these things because I have no source in me. My only source is when I'm submitted to my father as a son, not as a servant, but as a son. If I live as a servant, I will treat everyone else in my life as servants. And when I look for my identity, if I look for all of my worth, my wife cannot fill my love tank. Come on. Yeah. We do our best to meet each other's love needs in, in, in all of our relationships. But I know I'm completely inadequate to fully meet my, my wife's needs. Fully inadequate. She can only fully have her needs met as a daughter of God. And as she lives as a daughter of God and I live as a son of God, then we fully meet needs under the umbrella of our father. But I feel and I fear that we've stopped being sons and daughters. I don't think we really even know how to be sons and daughters. And we take on the responsibility of things on our own shoulders when he just asks us to be stewards, to be sons. And we've created idolatry in our life. I can tell you there have been times in my life where I've had different idols. My wife was an idol. My sons were an idol. My job was an idol. I didn't worship them, but I got more validation from them than I should have. Come 
Oh, and if I'm, if I'm getting pats on the back for being a good worker, ooh, I feel really good about myself. But when the pats stop, I don't feel as, as good a worker. Why did it need, what, what changed? If God is pleased with us, <laughs> it, it's, it is hard. But it, nothing externally should affect our, our focus and should affect our heart. The praise of men, the, the chastisement from men shouldn't change my heart. Only thing that should affect my heart is what, is what does Abba Father think about me right now? If he's pleased, I don't care about all these other things. Because if he's pleased, then there's nothing else I could do to change anyone else's mind. But what if I have offended someone I didn't know it? Then he's not going to be pleased with me. Because he says that if you come to me and you want to offer me a sacrifice and you remember that in the middle of your, of your offering to me that you've hurt somebody's feelings, stop what you're doing, leave the altar and go make things right. Because you can't be right with me if you've offended someone out here. But if God's not offended with me, then I don't have to run around putting fires out unless he tells me to. The pressure goes away. The pressure that we've built up in this, in this life of I'm responsible. It, no, I'm not. It's, it's, a real, it's a weird, there's tension in this, right? Because we're Americans. We believe in personal responsibility. I think we need to echo that more and more and more, right? But in the kingdom, I'm ultimately not responsible. I have one responsibility. Yes, sir. What pleases you? I want to do that. I will obey you. Outside of that, it's beyond the realm of my responsibility. And if I have things in my life that validate me rather than, than God being pleased with me, then I've created an idol in my life. And what happens when we create idols is we will build our lives to protect that thing that validates us. I'm going to say that again. When we create idols through this, we will build walls around the things that make us feel better about ourselves because they validate us. And we will create so many unhealthy relationships with people, with jobs, with volunteering for stuff, with not being able to say no because I'm receiving validation from the wrong source. Does my wife validate me? Absolutely. It's like a cup of cold water when she says, you did a good job. You look handsome today, right? But that does not fulfill the son heart that I have. Only God can do that. Amen? When I receive all these things from my connection with my heavenly father, then I become whole. Amen? When I live as a son first, I am much more equipped and qualified to do all the other things I'm supposed to do. But I have to be a son first. Let's finish this, all right? As a son, I am not ultimately responsible. God never asked or expected me to be the source of anything. He never asked me to solve any problems. Think about it. Has God ever come to you and said, hey, I'm having some trouble. Can you solve this problem? (laughs) He's invited us to partner with him. 
as a steward to his plans, but I've never one time in my life had God come to me and say, hey man, I've got a problem and you're the only guy that can solve it. (laughs) Not one time. He has never once put a heavy load on me. He's never put a heavy load on me. I said, I'm tired. Here, you carry this for a little while. He's never said to me, hey, Jared, just figure it out. I've done that as a father. Dude, just figure it out, Josiah, Matthias, whomever. Think for your, just figure it out. What a crappy father. (laughs) He's never done that to me. He's never said, oh, here, Jared, here's a building and a property and a church and all this. You go figure it out. (laughs) We will blow that up. (laughs) There are all kinds of words that come to mind to describe what would happen in that scenario. Because I have nothing in me, no source in me to solve any problems, to figure anything out. I'm just a son. I'm a simple son. He's not working on our behavior. He's working on our identity. We think God is always trying to work on our behavior, and God is so rarely trying to work on our behavior, but he's always trying to work on our identity. He is always trying to get us to realize, you're a daughter, you're a daughter, and I'm pleased with you. You're a daughter, don't carry that, I want it. You're a daughter, don't worry about that. You don't have to fix this, you don't have to solve this. You can't juggle all the calendar. Let me help you. Let me help you, amen? We're just stewards of the things he owns. John 15 says it like this. I, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. All right, that's another sermon. He prunes us so we'll bear more fruit. He doesn't prune anything that's not fruitful. You are already clean. Come on. Did you hear that? You're already clean. Wait a second. I hadn't even messed up yet. That's right. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken into you. The word washes us. The Bible talks about the washing of the word because behavior follows identity. How many have even said this this week? You've seen something in your behavior like that wasn't pleasing or the way you want to be, according to your, and you're like, man, I need to work on that. How many have even said those, I, I need to work on that? What does that even mean? What tools am I going to use to work on this? What tools do I have? Does it mean my behavior can just be brash and, and abrasive to everyone around me? Absolutely not. But I need to ask how to how to shift that behavior. And, I, and, and it doesn't come because I'm just a bad boy. It comes because I forgot I'm a son. And I'm fearful. When we stop being sons and daughters, we go, listen, when we lay aside being a son and daughter under the peace, the protection, the safety, the weightlessness of burdens, when we lay that aside and say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something else for a while, guess what replaces that spirit of adoption? The spirit of fear. Every single time. And what happens is the spirit of fear grips our heart, and we've stopped being a son or daughter, and now I'm fearful. And when I'm fearful, what do we, what do, we do when we're afraid? There's a word that comes after f- fearful behavior. We all do it. We worry. We control. Oh, I got to get control of this. 
I'm afraid of this situation, so I've got to get control of it so I'm not afraid of it anymore. That is a cycle of destruction. And he came to set us free from that. You're not in a bondage of fear any longer. You've not received uh, an adoption into a new spirit of fear. You've received adoption into a, a, a spirit of adoption where now you're sons and daughters, no longer under fear, but under love. And he says, you can do nothing on your own. Unless you abide in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You want the weight lifted off of your life? Here's the truth. None of us can do anything on our own. Literally. We can't do it. Like, oh, yeah, I, I think I can. No, we can't. We've all tried it, right? Come on. We've all got probably documents of proof where we've tried it on our own and it didn't work. And it wasn't because we were bad in our behavior. It's because we stopped being sons and daughters. When we find our identity in him, the measure that we walk in that, that identity will determine how much of his gifts we live in. The measure that I walk in my identity as a son will determine how much of his kingdom I experience in my life. He gives us his spirit without measure. So if I will increase the capacity to be a son and respond to him as a son and you, re you respond to him as a daughter, then it will increase the experience you have in his kingdom. Amen? So he wants to address our identity. We need to teach our sons and daughters this. They need to know who they are in Christ. No job should ever give us our identity. No husband or wife should ever, ever give us our identity. I'm not of Amanda. She's not of Jared. Uh, if you probably missed the whole reference, thankfully. But, but there's this, there's this, what's it even called? There's this book called Handmaid's Tale. They made a movie or a show about it. And in that, the women didn't have their own names. They became of their husband. So Mandy would be of Jared because she's mine. She's my property, right? God's not like that. And, and it's not healthy for me to live my life as I'm of Amanda. I'm her husband, no, I'm, I'm of Jesus. I'm of the Father. I'm not of fire life. I don't belong to fire life. My job, I'm the pastor, but I'm not of fire life. I'm not Matthias's dad, <laughs> even though everywhere I go, hey, there's Matthias's dad. No, I have a name. Come on, man, I have a name. Yeah, we all know that happens as you get older. You stop, you're, you're Josiah's dad. Yep, I am Josiah's dad. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm a son. I'm a son first. And then when I'm a good son, then I'm proud to be Josiah's dad. I'm proud to be Matthias's dad, Amanda's husband. Come on. Are you understanding what the Lord's talking to us about? Do you feel freedom from it? so much more we could say. We don't have time to do it today. I would like for you to stand. Identity, who I am, the way I think about who I am, the way other people see me, and the characteristics that define me.
I think that some of us need permission today to shift our identity. To shift where we receive our validation, our love, our worth. Like, well, when they give me a raise, I feel really valuable at work. But when they don't, I don't. No, it it shouldn't matter either way. You're God's son. He helps us properly see how things are. So I would like for you to do something. I would like for you just to have a, a short conversation with God and just ask him, like, do I need to upgrade in my sonship or my daughtership? Just ask him. So now let's, if he said yes, which I'm, I'm betting that he probably said yes to all of us. How about this? Father, I give you permission to teach me again what it means to be a son or a daughter. Teach me. Show me the spirit of adoption again. Testify with my spirit that I am a child of God that I would cry from my innermost being, Daddy, Father, Abba, Father. That I would hear you say, this is my beloved son. I am so pleased with him. And I would live from that place like Jesus did. Completely validated in his father. God, I ask that, that every one of us would become completely validated. Our identity would be rooted in being sons and daughters. I pray that our children would learn this. I pray that it would become how we live our lives, that it would create the boundaries for our lives. That the same way and we protect those things that validate us in an unhealthy way, that we would protect how you validate us, that we would guard that relationship between you and us as a father. We saw it in your son, Jesus. He defended his connection with you at every time. He would let some things go and not argue and fight, but he would always defend his connection to you as a son and you his father, always, because it was the most important thing to him. God, I pray that being daughters and you being a father would become the most important thing, that being a son and you being the father would become the most important relationship in our life, that we guard it with all of our heart. I ask that you would break off unhealthy patterns that we have created, unhealthy idols, unhealthy validations, unhealthy worth. Hmm. Would you pray this with me? Our Father. (laughs) That's it. That's the prayer. Our Father. My Father. Now, Lord, I've, I've preached what you gave me. I ask that you would take it and multiply it. Multiply revelation as we go, like you did with the, the bread and the fish. I ask that as they leave and as they take this home and as they devour it, that it would multiply revelation into their personal life, that you would take this corporate sermon and make it very personal for all of us. 
that you would multiply its revelation, that you would create a conversation this week that we would learn to walk with you as sons and daughters. Hmm. We break off the orphan spirit. We break off the spirit of fear. In Jesus' name. We're going to close with communion. So if you'd like to stay and take communion with us, we're going to do that. Hank's going to lead us. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I love it. The, our Father is a family prayer <laughs> hour, right? It's meant to be done as a group and as a family. Um, and just for communion, just I, I, it's been fun to think about this. I'll be just share with some of my heart just real, real quick. But um, it is... Uh, it's what we do as a family. <laughs> it's it's um, it's how we remember the Lord. It is um, uh, in a way a, a, a family tradition. I think of the family reunions that we have, that we everyone gets together. But no matter where you're at, you know the crazy member or the the wealthy one or the um, the one who's had hard times, the one who's not. Uh, but when it comes to the being a part of the family, we're we all carry that same name. <laughs> we all carry uh, the togetherness, the unity, the body of Christ together. And um, and uh, and I love it too. Throughout history, um, you have. Uh, uh, I mean, Jesus says, "Do this in remembrance of me." You know, it is it is it is our. In a way, some some religions have statues that they make <laughs> to remember their God. Uh, some uh, cultures we create statues as a remembrance of things, like we have the Lincoln Memorial. We remember, you know, we we have these these statues. But Jesus is bold enough to say, "No, no, your statue is is breaking bread and drinking wine. It's it's the it's it's this. It, it'll be there forever." And, and I love it because you have the, the imagery of of. The believers, the saints in the catacombs, you know, being persecuted and killed for their faith, they did this. You know, you have, you know, we got Thanksgiving coming, we got the pilgrims that came over to the New World and, and 50% of them died within that first year, but yet they did this. You know, you have the, the believers and uh, who are being persecuted and put in jail. They're trying to do this however way they can <laughs> with whatever meager food they have. They break bread and drink wine as a, as a way of remembrance of the Lord. And um, I was going to read more about out of 1 Corinthians 11. Which Paul kind of describes the, uh, the the communion and and just the kind of the ins and outs of it, how people abused it, and how people um, uh, should kind of look at it. And and one one thing that comes out, it it is, it's meant to be done together. I mean, he starts out and says there are divisions among you. I was like, oh no no, we're family, like we're sons, <laughs> we're daughters, and 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 you know, if we can have a family reunion shirt, we'd wear it, right? So. Um, uh, but and, and we're sons and daughters, so there shouldn't be divisions, um, and and you should do it. it, it it's holy, it's holy. Uh, the other day, I was I was joking around. Uh, in my mind, I was joking around. I was I saw these laying over there. I was like, it'd be funny just to grab one of those and just kind of just, just just have you know be in conversation. I'm not, like something in me goes, no, you do not mess with that. Not I mean, just this, it is a holy thing that we must always keep together and. Um, and I just, again, I just love it because it's, it, it, well, let's do this. Um, um, one of the things it does say in here, and I, we've already kind of touched on it, but just one last time. Um, and it says, uh, just verse, verse 27 out of, of chapter 11 in First Corinthians, it says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he'll be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. 
uh, uh, verse 28, it says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone he eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord and eats and drinks, uh, uh, it, it says, um, drinks judgment on himself. And the, the idea here, just real quick, I mean, just to take 30 seconds, just, it's a, it's a heavy prayer. It's a, David said it. Um, it just, I want you to just close your eyes and say, Lord, search me. <laughs> And just listen real quick. If there's anything that you need to be right with God with right now, just deal with that. In my mind's eye, I see God smiling. It's, it's family time. And it's, in the scriptures, it talks, it's, it's a feast. It's a, it's a full-blown feast. And it'd be fun to do that as a family one of these days, just to like, do a feast communion. But again, some people have just a meager piece of rice and maybe some water. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's the act. It's the heart behind it. It's, it's what we're doing. And so... Um, here, I'm going to read this real quick here. It says, for Paul saying, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, here just a sec, as we eat this, imagine... Well, I mean, it, it's, it is, this is, again, this is our statue we're looking at here. This is our remembrance of the Lord. He, his, he, he paid the price. Our, the price we ought to pay is death, like forever death. And he just stepped in and said, nope, I got this. Okay. And so just real quick, just take, again, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and eat the bread. And he says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance, excuse me, in remembrance of me. It says, for whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay, this is the new covenant, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the ascension of Jesus Christ, and the return of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is the new covenant that we, we get to partake in. And I, I don't want to get weird about blood, but I just realized like his blood is still pumping. It died for three days. His blood stopped for three days and it cranked back on. <laughs> it hasn't stopped since. So we have, we get to participate and the very lifeblood of Jesus Christ, we, it's, it's in our veins now. We had a transfusion when we gave our lives to Jesus. We had a transfusion of the blood of Jesus Christ in our, in our veins. We get to live forever, and we get to proclaim, he's coming back. He's coming back. I want you all to say that. Come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> he's coming back. All right. And so, again, this cup is the, cup is, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink, and remember to me, go ahead and drink the. Amen. 
the saints who will go at the end of days will do that too. We'll do it in heaven. I mean, I, I assume. I don't know if there's scripture that says we don't. But I mean, like, it's just cool. It's the family. Okay, the weird people will be standing all around us, right? And the weird, weird, weird relatives and the and the great ones and the awesome ones. And but all of a sudden, we're going to stop and all do this. And it's family. It's it's family. And we're all going to look at each other and just like, yeah. I mean, we'll tell stories of when we did this. And I encourage you guys to actually do this with your families at home. Do it with your, like, let, let your children learn this. No, don't let them be confused at church services um, about what's happening. This should be like, oh, yeah, we do this at home. Yeah. And so we bless you guys. We love you. Go forth. Love you guys. Bye.